Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss tonight. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Down goes Duffy O'Connor. Frank Mir does it again. Rock em, sock em, robots here. Oh my goodness. I can't believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. I don't know why the Ken Flo commentary gets me so fired it up. Fired up. It's not because he's my friend. Every time I hear it, every time I hear the Ken Flo commentary, gets me fired up. Good way to start the show. It's Monday, February 22nd, 2021. Didn't screw up the date this week, folks. It's episode 289 of the Anakin Florian podcast. And I want to hear from the audio folks this week because we have new microphones. If you're watching on the video side, you know that by now. Mine's attached to a big black arm. Makes me feel like I'm in a radio studio. But if you're somebody who exclusively ingests this podcast in audio form, Ken Flo, I want to hear from those people because if this audio isn't good, uh, I'm going to have a panic attack, I think, because uh, <laughs> we've tried to uh, – to put ourselves in a position to succeed. How you doing, kid? I'm doing well, man. Moving on up. You sound great. Dude, he said. Yeah, these new mics are killer, man. I'm excited. I, I, I've i been really bringing the show down, to be honest. It's been no. my fault, guys. I need to just come out and say that the audio issues have been on my side. I've been had some I've had some crappy audio. So but not anymore. That's right. Audio yeah. is good. Yeah. Working on everything. Try to bring you this fine podcast in the mixed martial arts space and uh what a weekend it was we're going to recap blades lewis and of course we will have predictions for you for ufc fight night rosenstrike versus gone which beckons saturday night from the ufc apex in las vegas but let us get to the recap here in headlines oh if you're betting big favorites in mixed martial arts you are not doing all that well. Now, this happened to be the biggest upset in the UFC main event since UFC 199 when Michael Bisping upset Luke Rockhold in 2016, that courtesy of ESPN stats and information. But Derek Lewis, a plus 350 underdog, north of plus 400 to win by knockout would have been the way to bet the fight probably if you were on the Lewis side. But how about the Black Beast, Ken Flo, over Curtis Blades, round two, KO. The uppercut was a no-doubter. A couple follow-up shots for good measure. Your thoughts on uh, on the heavyweight main event over the weekend, my man? You know, the, the latter part of that first round was not going well for Derek Lewis. Yeah, I, I kind of was very concerned. I said, he's just not looking right. It seems like uh, Curtis Blades is really putting it, uh, putting it on him uh, he, he, with the striking. Curtis uh, was doing a good job of, of backing up in the beginning, and, and he was kind of making sure that he was close to the fence um, I think because if he did get taken down, it would be a little bit easier for him to scramble and not have blades on his back. Um, a lot of fighters like to do that. Um, but, you know, I think the patience ended up paying off in that second round. And this is a guy, man, it doesn't matter what he hits you with. It doesn't matter when he hits you. And it doesn't matter really where he hits you. He's going to hurt you. And 
I mean, is there a guy who's more prolific as a knockout artist than Derek Lewis? Yeah. He hit him with that uppercut and froze him right on the button. Like it was you rarely see that. Usually you see, you know, the scrambling of the brain, the guy drops and, you know, he's kind of out of it. Or you see a guy drop, then he goes out. It took one shot. He landed it and it just put his lights out, immediately froze him. Unbelievable. He didn't even catch him clean. And if right. you listen to what Derek Lewis had to say, he said, I didn't feel good in the back. I didn't feel good in the inspection zone. I didn't feel good in round one. Mm -hmm. And our good buddy Bruce Marshall listens to the Anakin Florian podcast. He tweeted at me, thank God he was flat last night. Could have killed someone otherwise. Love that dude. Consistently getting better, more committed to his craft. A lot, lot of good things in that tweet right there. But I'm yeah. telling you, thank God he was a little bit flat or we might be talking about a fatality. You know, S seriously, dude and the power. So no man in UFC history has more knockouts. He's tied with Vitor Belfort now with 12. And in terms of the commitment to the craft, Ken Flo, he was in the best shape of his life. I mean, did you see this man on the break. scale? I mean, the body fat percentage has gone down. And I think having back-to-back -back training camps for this type of specialist, and I don't take – I shouldn't call Curtis Blades a specialist, I guess, but – to have back-to-back -back training camps for Blades and to be in this type of physical condition was, I think, what it was going to take to spring this type of upset. So all hail the Black Beast, my man. Uh, look what Blades has done to guys like Volkov and Junior Dos Santos and a, a lot of guys. You know, his ability to take you down and beat you up and control you and, um, you know, outstrike you on the feet. I mean, uh, it, it's amazing uh, what he's done. And Derek Lewis just went out there and took away all of that momentum from him. And uh, it's it's an extremely impressive win for Derek Lewis. But, yeah, I agree with you. He looked like he was in tremendous shape. Derek is a guy who's been dealing with back injuries. And as a guy who's dealt with right. back injuries over the course of my career and still do, um, it's awful. You're not able to train like you, like you, like you used to, um, you, you can't put in, you know, the two or three sessions, maybe you get, you know, uh, four or five sessions a week, you know, and when you're able to double that up or triple that up or whatever that may be, um, you know, it, it's going to pay off. You're going to be better. You're going to be more skillful. You're going to look like you're in better shape. And Derek Lewis certainly, uh, looked like he was, and I hope it's because physically he's healthier. So that Daniel Cormier win over Derek Lewis continues to age well. And when we talk about Curtis Blades and the historic takedowns, most decorated takedown artist in UFC heavyweight history, still hasn't been able to fight for the title because these guys with real power just seem to find that button against him, whether it's Francis Ngannou times two or Derek Lewis over the weekend. So on the Curtis Blades side. This is a massive disappointment in terms of the championship trajectory. Cody Donovan and the whole team I know is heartbroken. But what are your thoughts on on Curtis Blades and sort of where he goes from here? It's tough. You know, what he has going for him in some ways is that, you know, the heavyweight division isn't as deep as it used to be. And um, he definitely has that potential and he has some great wins over some good guys. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to take um, – you know, a whole lot of wins for him to get right back in there. However, he does need to make the proper adjustments and he needs to learn from this uh, as far as not putting him, um, not putting himself in danger when he shoots in like that. You know, uh, GSP was extremely successful with his takedowns because he always put his head on the outside of the knee. So instead of going your, for your traditional double leg takedown, which is more straight on, he had his head off the center line. Um, you know, so he'd hit more of a high crotch style takedown with his head on the outside of his opponent's hip. Right. Uh, and that puts him off the center line from things like knees and uppercuts and, you know, hooks. And um, <clears throat> I think that's something that perhaps Curtis Blade should look into, uh, you know, considering he, he's a, a big time takedown guy. So 
But, um, you know, th this was a devastating one. And more importantly, he's got to take some time off. This was a devastating knockout, man. And when you're seeing guys get put out like that, and, and of course, this is the heavyweight division we're talking about, but we're also talking about Derek Lewis and his power. So he's got to take some time off. You know, don't do any sparring for a little while. Uh, get his head right, get his body right, and then come back and, and work on his skills. But uh, he, he's still a good fighter. He, he just, you know, he made a mistake and he got caught by a very dangerous man. In terms of the two, not three, follow-up shots landed by Derek Lewis, right? You know what my thesis statement is on this, and I know people aren't going to like it, but my thesis statement is super necessary in a lot of respects because I have seen too many instances in which a referee either jolts in, phantom trying to stop the fight, maybe a referee like Dan Mergliata, I believe, when Czech Congo fought Pat Barry, actually makes contact with the athlete, and then the fight continues I would like to see athletes show some restraint when clearly their opponent is removed from consciousness, as was the case here. But Ken Flo, you got to go until the referee pulls you off. Is right. that not the way you guys are instructed in the back? That's the thing. Now, I want to ask your opinion on this, John, because, I, again, I didn't hear any of the interviews or if there was a press conference where he was asked about this. But after the fight, Derek Lewis said, that's Herb Dean's fault. That's Herb Dean's fault. Now, right. is he saying that because Herb Dean didn't stop it in time or is he saying it because of some other reason? Because I agree with you. As a fighter, our job is to fight. Our job isn't to determine if the fighter is out or not. So we got to keep going until the fighter says stop. I've learned that from jiu-jitsu tournaments or from fights where you stop too early and the guy goes, I, I didn't tap. What are you talking about? I didn't tap. You know, or oh, I didn't, I'm still fighting. So you have to go until the referee goes. So what was that in reference to? Did he did he address that or or yeah, so okay. And it's interesting because Marina Rodriguez almost had a knockout taken away against Amanda yes, Hibas not exactly. all that long ago. You gotta close the fucking show. Yeah. And if I'm a fighter, I can assure you that uh, I probably would have gotten myself in trouble going overboard because you have to literally get pulled off mm -hmm. by the referee to make sure you win the fight. So there were a couple instances early on in this fight where Herb Dean rather sternly warned Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades, but for extended fingers, right? Okay, right, right, So right. maybe there was an ax to grind there, but no, I think Derek Lewis's point is that Herb Dean in his mind, needs to close the distance faster, yeah. especially in the 25-foot octagon, maybe be closer sure. uh, to prevent those follow-up shots. But I think Herb Dean stylistically uh, likes to give you every benefit of every doubt. He is a fighter that leans towards a later stoppage as opposed to a premature one. So mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's disappointing that Curtis Blades had to take the extra shot. We all know historically those are the ones that can uh, often be the most damaging. But I have absolutely no ill will for Derek Lewis, and I even take it a step further. Got to make sure as the athlete that you close the show and uh, deal with the consequences thereafter. I hate to say it. Well, that's the thing. He, here's the deal. If you don't, and you don't make sure that your opponent is out, after landing that shot, and they come back to consciousness, and, and they come back to to hurt you or knock you out or beat you, that would be devastating, right? So, you, so again, you have to make sure the job is done. And as a fighter, you fight. It's the referee's job to stop the fight. And you know, yes, you don't like to see those kind of shots, but honestly, um, I don't think this was Herb Dean's best night, right? Um, and you know, Herb Dean has done a great job over the years. Um, but he has made some mistakes. 
Um, and when you're making mistakes as a referee, unfortunately, it's at the cost of, of the fighters uh, and the fighters' safety. And um, I, I don't think he did a great job with the Olenek fight. I don't think he did a great job here. Right. Um, I'm not saying it's an easy job. I definitely am not volunteering my ass to do that. Right. But um, it wasn't a great night for him. So Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou, Anthony Rumble Johnson, a lot of other names I'm sure you could inject into the mix. When you talk about the biggest power strikers or power punchers, I guess, we're talking about hands in a lot of respects here in UFC history. What do you think would happen if Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou fought again? If you didn't see the first fight, you didn't miss a whole lot. It still holds up as this great outlier where there was inaction and hesitancy on both sides. What do you think would happen again? I think it would be a one-round fight. Somebody's twitching on the canvas. I remember watching that fight live uh, and just scratching my head going, what? what is this? I think I had tweeted right before the fight, like, get ready for fireworks. There's no way this one goes the distance. You know, <laughs> of course, it was one of the worst heavyweight fights of all time. Um, but I don't think that happens this time around. Um, I, I really don't. I, and I think, listen, both of those guys are capable of ending the fight in an instant with any uh, part of their body. Uh, and I would love to see it. I think it's a fight that we will see. Hopefully. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think also for both those guys, they want to erase that. You know, uh, I think right. they had so much respect for each other's power yeah, that yeah. both weren't really willing to, to get in there. But uh, I, I think things would change if they did it a second time. I'd love to hear the conversation if Dana White calls Derek Lewis and is like, <laughs> all right, man, I'm going to put you guys together again. This time going to be for the belt, potentially. Um, what's going to happen? Get some sort of guarantee from those guys yeah. that they're going to get after it. But I bring it up in the context of the UFC's heavyweight division. Belt will be on the line March 27th. Stipe in defense against the number one contender, the aforementioned Francis Ngannou. Curtis Blades, two. Jarzinho Rosenstrike, three. And Derek Lewis, four. So, Derek Lewis is going to move into that number two slot in all likelihood. We have a main event this weekend between third-ranked Rosenstrike and seventh-ranked Cito Gan. So, for the Black Beast, it's right there. And obviously, the circumstances surrounding his first championship opportunity against Daniel Cormier were less than ideal. So, no overstating this win in terms of what it means. Derek Lewis's next fight uh, could very well be for the UFC heavyweight title. It's wild. Uh, it's great to see because, you know, we, we saw him when he had his first fight in the UFC to see how far he's come uh, and, and how he looks now. It, it, it's great to see a guy like Derek Lewis uh, get close to that opportunity. And, yeah, his next fight might might just be uh, for the belt, and it might be against Ngannou. So uh, I love it. The, the guy really has positioned, him in extreme, uh, positioned himself extremely well. So I remember when he made his UFC debut against Jack May in 2014 on Fox. And then I believe you and I called his second UFC fight against Guto and Asensh. Right. And I remember saying something like this, this throwback, break your face open type of power. I mean, it's scary stuff when Derek Lewis is in there. It really is to Bruce Marshall's point earlier. So yeah. uh, we'll see where Curtis Blades goes from here, but a huge weekend for Derek Lewis. Nice to see him get the bonus and his record-tying 12th UFC knockout. All right, a lot to unpack in the co-main event, Yana Kunitskaya and Ketlin Vieta. Unanimous decision for Yana Kunitskaya. There were a lot of people who thought Ketlin Vieta won this fight. God, did I love those elbows late from Yana Kunitskaya. I love her maximization of the final 25 or so seconds of this contest. And uh, in a close fight that was 1-1 going into the third, uh, for me, that type of damage 
was enough to give Kunitskaya uh, the round and thereby the fight. I know that's a dissenting opinion, but overall, your thoughts on the co-main event and a big win for the Russian Yana Kunitskaya. I, I certainly wasn't watching to score, but I will right. say this. It was close, and I think that what a lot of people are, are looking for, uh, judges, of course, especially, is a, a certain attitude from the fighter, right? If I'm going out there to score points and my opponent is out there to kind of kill me, uh, and every time they have an opportunity to do so, that's going to look way better than the guy who's out there trying to outpoint the other one. And I think for Ketlin Vieira, she was trying more to kind of score points and kind of get certain position and do things here. Um, but Kanitskaya, Kanitskaya, Yana was really trying to hurt her opponent. And, and you saw it in the form of cuts and blood and, you know, bruising. And uh, she was going for it. And, and I think that looked more impressive to the judges. And especially if you're, if you kind of have that attitude throughout the fight, like fighting to the last dang second of that round, of every round, that counts for something. And I think that's why she got the decision. A lot of weird circumstances surrounding this event overall. You had Dracar Close and Luis Pena unable to fight because of one of Close's corner men testing positive for COVID-19 just a few hours before the event. You had Chaz Skelly in the octagon ready to go. Jamal Emmer's unable to make the walk because of back spasms. You had four athletes missing weight. Ketlin Vieta missed weight. Rafael Alves missed weight for lightweight and was competing at featherweight, Kenny. It was the worst ma- weight miss in UFC history. And you know who I'm thinking about when this is happening. I'm thinking about Ken Flo weighing in against Diego Nunes at 46 and <laughs> Ken Flo actually making 45 for Jose Aldo without holding onto a towel or nothing. I mean, this dude missed lightweight competing at 145 pounds. That's what I'm saying. Like, did he, did he not get the memo? Did he, he think he was competing in a different weight class? That's just like, you didn't try, right? Like, come on, bro. You didn't try. Like, what's going on? That's a, just a terrible look. And if I was sitting octagon side and Chaz Skelly was there, I don't know what I would have done, man. You got to feel awful for that guy. Ho- hopefully he got his win <sighs> bonus. I almost would have offered to go in there and fight the guy. He can just submit me in 10 seconds. <laughs> Seriously. Well, there's nothing worse, man. I mean, you're out there. You're literally out there ready to fight. Your mind has been made up. You know, you see the the announcer in there, the referees in there. Everything's ready to go. And you're you're waiting around. Wait, I'm not fighting? Are you kidding me right now? That's awful. But I will say this. As a guy, again, who has a bad back – it, it's unlike anything else. You know, if you have a if you have a sore ankle, if you have a bad knee, if you're 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 even your neck or your shoulder or something's messed up, you you can kind of get you know, you can get through it. But when your back goes out, you move. Like you live it feels like someone stuck a kitchen knife in your back and there's you there's just no getting up off the floor. And I think that's what happened. So I think if he was physically able to move and walk himself to the octagon, I would assume he probably would have would have done it. But w- when you have a back injury like that and it's spazzing him uh spazzing him up, it just there's nothing you could do, man. It's Completely sucks. debilitating. Yeah. Oh, but man, for Chaz Skelly. And then he grabs a microphone at the post-fight press conference and was (laughs) singing, I think, Tenacious D or something. Not the most appropriate song per se, but he's a really good dude. He came to my charity event a couple of years ago. And uh, Ken Flo, you were in a swing bout back in the day, correct? Can you explain that to our listeners a little bit? Right. So I was – it was – when Anderson Silva fought Nathan Marquardt, I believe. So I think, you know, the UFC had five fights uh, for, for the main card. 
And because of how the pay-per-views were, were organized back then, you only had a certain amount of time, um, you know, to, to, to fight. There was a certain amount of time. And then once that time went off, the pay-per-view was shut down. Like there was no more television after that. Right. So um, I was what was called a swing bout. And it means that I would go anywhere from I would I would be either the second fight of the night, the third fight of the night, the fourth fight of the night or the sixth fight of the night. But what had to happen was the championship fight had to happen. And, you know, if it was, you know, if you were short on time or close on time, you had to make sure that you were able to get those five rounds in. So Anderson Silva, of course, being the champion, needed to have that amount of time to make sure that he'd be able to fight and everyone be able to see it. So. They had me ready to go for the second fight. I go, Kenny, you're on deck. Get ready to go. All right, now we're, we're going to move to the third fight. So I'm like, okay. So then I kind of wait around a little bit. You're going to the fourth fight, okay? Uh, right, you're, go- you're going after the main event. So I had literally been warming up, you know, probably an hour before I was supposed to go on for the second fight. So Man. I was warming up for like three hours anyways and and went on after Anderson Silva had knocked out Nathan Marquardt, no, they, they literally had me strip off my, my, I had like a Bruce Lee warm-up suit on that I was ready to debut for the pay-per-view. I had to take that off. There was no music. Uh, you know, me and Alvin Robinson had to sprint out to the octagon yep. and uh, we were announced and we fought. So at least you got to fight and you knew yeah. no matter what, even if nobody could see it back right. home, that you were actually going to get the chance to compete. And that was a W uh, finish, if I'm not mistaken, over yes. Alan, Robin- <laughs> Alan Robinson. So uh, all's well that ends well, but hopefully they can turn Chaz Skelly around quickly. It's sort of a, a tough climate, though, to do that. It sounds like, oh, we'll just find Skelly somebody. At, but, you know, these fight cards, we got 15 fights on these right. cards, right? Everybody needs a slot. You know, I know yep. Miranda Maverick would have loved to have gotten in there quickly after Jillian Robertson was unable to to make the walk on fight day for her a couple of weeks ago. But mm-hmm. easier said than done. Um, so Yana Kunitskaya, obviously a big, big win uh, over Ketlin Vieta. Derek Minner on the main card. These Dawkins boys can fight. Did you see Chris Dawkins against Alexei Olenek? You must have if you didn't love yes. the way Herb Dean handled the end of it. What would yeah. you make of Chris Dawkins there moving to 3-0 and against the uh, – the ageless Alexio Linick. I told people to watch out for Dawkins, man. First he of all, he he looked like he you know has lost weight, uh, so he looked way better, uh, and he's sneaky fast, man. He put together some serious combinations, and again, it, you know, for Olenek, he's a tremendous grappler. He's very dangerous, but um, you know, on the feet is when he where he's most vulnerable, right? And Dawkins just took full advantage of that, and uh, you know that that flurry at the end was it was a lot of unanswered punches, man. And I thought oh. uh, again, I thought Herb Dean should have start stopped it a little earlier um and he wasn't defending himself and, and even right. after the fight was stopped you could see olenic you know was he was stepping in potholes after that fight you know he, he couldn't get his balance he almost right. fell down it was hard to watch the guys he's an older guy man he's been fighting forever right. don't let him take that kind of the punch. i agree Anyways. couldn't agree with you more and it seemed like some fans were suggesting that olenic was sort of trying to give herb a signal like bro can you come in yeah here that's what i saved my ass yeah All right, plenty more on UFC Fight Night with Ray Longo in about 60 seconds. But fellas, we know 2020 was not ideal in a lot of respects, but it's a new year and time to get your stuff together, especially when it comes to your package. Our sponsor, Manscaped, can help you with that. See, Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and has been for some time now. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and have now helped 2 million men all over the world get rid of unwanted hair. So maybe if hygienically you let yourself go a little bit while in quarantine, Manscaped is here for you so you can 
kind of reboot and stay clean and shaved in 2021. So last year, as many of you know, I was introduced to the Lawnmower 3.0. My grooming life has never been the same. The Skin Safe Trimmer with a ceramic blade is truly a game changer. And I guarantee you this thing will reduce nicks and cuts to your two best friends. Third generation now, the lawnmower also has a light on it as well. That's more useful than you think. And Manscaped has a lot of other products to offer as well, including the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. It's all part of the perfect package from Manscaped to give you all the right tools for the job and a fresh start in 2021. So here's the deal. You get 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash AF. That's 20% off with free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash AF. 20% off and free shipping. Not now, but right now at manscaped.com slash AF. All right, let us get to the star of the show. It's Ray Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Well, last week, Ray said that we made his Monday and we lifted up his spirits. And hopefully we can do that again this week, Ray, because as some of our listeners and viewers know by now, the Longo Weidman MMA family lost an absolute giant over the last few days. Ray, our deepest condolences on the loss of your friend, Vinny, uh, Vincent J. Pecora Jr., father-in-law to former UFC middleweight champion and close friend of the show, Chris Weidman, and for his wife, Marivi, losing her father tragically like this. Uh, I met this man back in the day and... uh, our apologies, Ray, man. This is a, a huge loss for Chris and you and the entire Law MMA family. So our heart has been with you over the last 48 hours or so, my man. Yeah, I really appreciate it, man. Vinny was a, was just a stand-up guy. That's that's the way you think of Vinny, a stand-up guy. Like, again, he shot from the hip. Uh, I think he probably rubbed a couple of people wrong, but to me, it was a breath of fresh air. You know, no backstabbing. You knew where you stood with the guy. I'm going to say besides my mother, probably my biggest fan. I mean, I will really miss this guy. I mean, I always loved seeing him at the gym, breaking balls. We had a lot of laughs. You know, he was a throwback. He probably was about 70 years old, maybe I'm going to say. And uh, ex-Vietnam vet, did a bunch of tours. I think one of the stories is like he did a – his brother got drafted and he went in for his brother and did another tour. So, I mean, that's the type of guy he he was. He – you know, I think Chris put in his post, he was either talking wrestling, MMA or Vietnam. That's what he that's what he talked about, man. And he supported everybody in the gym. I mean, uh, I'm going to say the first day he saw Marab's work ethic, he was like, this guy is something special. Like he was, he was just that guy. He was everybody loved him again. Like, I don't think there was a bigger fan And his, you know, one of his pleasures, you know, as you get older. You know, just to have passion about anything is is great. But one of his pleasures was coming to that gym and interacting. You know, he was a legit tough guy, man. He really was. And yeah, man, I'm gonna miss him. I mean, you know, he he he's got a colorful past, man. You could write a book on this guy. This guy crammed a lot into those 70 years. Trust me. So he's gonna be missed. He really is. And um, you know, uh, just tragic the way it happened because to me, I go I go over it in my head just didn't have to happen, you know, and it was a complete accident. Right. Uh, and really to make it worse, he was hit by another guy from the gym. Oh, man. Yeah, so, my, listen, and we tried. I mean, this guy is devastated, but everybody oh. knows it's an accident. We really want this guy to get to heal as quick as possible because I don't know if that's possible, but – you know, so think of that whole situation at the gym. But when it when it went down, it was just it was mind boggling. But um, 
listen, man, you know, life is crazy. It's all a part of life. And, you know, I'm not really like a religious guy, but this is really when religion helps you. You know what I mean? They, they have a great way of looking at, you know, death and Weidman's fantastic with that crap. He really is. He's, right. he's a great guy to talk to because it's, right. it's pretty, it's soothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, leaning into the faith at times like this, I know helps yeah. a lot of people through. The right. Vincent J. Pacor Jr. Memorial Wrestling Scholarship uh, has been set up. It's a GoFundMe. You can find the link on Chris Wadman's Instagram page. They've raised about $20,000 of their $50,000 goal. But uh, she writes, I believe it was uh, Marivi who wrote, my dad's two biggest loves in life were family and wrestling. So, uh, And again, this guy's unmistakable, man. As soon as I saw his face, uh, yeah. there was familiarity there. And I understand there's a picture of me and him circulating, and I hope I can get my hands on that. But uh, – this hit us all like uh, a ton of bricks yesterday, Ray, and uh, we were certainly thinking about you. I do have some brighter topics if you would like to. Oh, let's, uh, go, let's go, man. All right. And, you, you know, and he would want us to. I know the guy. Right. Well, me, if I, he is your biggest fan, I mean, I thought other than your uh, mom that Kenny and I were kind of your biggest fans, <laughs> gave you a goddamn your own <laughs> fucking segment on our podcast. This, this, this guy was above and beyond that. Trust me. He so, was a great guy. So if he's that big a fan of yours, yeah. uh, Vinny had to listen to the podcast then. No, I, I mean, I, I think he listened to anything, anything that Jim did. Anything that was Ray Longo content. Well, no place has provided you Ray Longo content over the last six years, quite like the Anakin Perlin podcast. So uh, we'll start with your hair. Then we'll get to Derek Lewis. We got some Aljo stuff as well before we get on out of here. So Matt Sarah texted me about your hair. <laughs> He's just a rotten cocksucker. I don't even have to know what it is. I don't even have to hear what it is. But, well, you know. Oxsucker comes to my <laughs> to my brain. So go ahead. What was it? In well, light, no, I think we both. What it was? I think we are both aligned in thinking that you should wash it. <laughs> uh, the next time you see me, I'll be a completely different person. How's that? All right. I'm so psyched up for this title fight. I might shave my head. So are you going to Vegas? Yeah, of course. Yeah. When are you leaving? Friday. Oh, wow. So you're okay. That's right. You said to be 10 days out. So yeah. uh, I can't wait to give you a big COVID hug in a few days, my man. <laughs> no, we can't. I can't get COVID. I'm immune to the COVID now. That's right. You're, you're good to it. go. You're good uh, to go. Yeah, no, I would have went out early. I got there's so much stuff going on and we have, uh, I mean, it kind of worked out because we have the, um, you know, the wake for Vinny. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is the burial. So whatever. So it all works. I'm not going back negative. I'm telling you, he definitely wouldn't want that at all. He he want he would want this thing to go on. There's absolutely no question in my mind. He's like again, stand up guy. He is the don't waste no time. Let's just move on. So but yeah, so uh what was the uh that was it. He just wanted me to wash my hair. Yeah, I mean, I think we were just both acknowledging that uh, you can almost see the lack of Perk Plus on the Anakin Florian <laughs> podcast. You know, but that's neither here nor there. I guess we'll talk about the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. He has a haircut right up my alley, right shaving that head. And uh, how about Derek Lewis, most prolific knockout artist in UFC history? I got to tell you, man. I I thought Blades. I thought that. I thought it was going to be a ground and pound. You know, he was going to take him down. Uh, dude, I'm blown away. Like he's got one shot at getting you. Like, I mean, if I was, you know, like, you know, Kenny back in the day when the wrestlers were coming on strong and you always had that one guy, I just turned him on an uppercut. Right. You know, exactly. Never worked. I'll, I'll hit him with the dim mock. <laughs> yeah. You had to sit there and go, Oh my God, these guys are lost. <laughs> Motherfucker hits this guy with an uppercut from, and he said, that's all he was waiting for. He was willing to even lose the stand up. 
to keep his hands in position to land that uppercut when the guy came in. And Blades was doing great standing up, which is crazy. You know, it's like Ray, I think it was half half uppercut, half demock, because he put him to sleep as soon as he touched him. It didn't even look like he hit him that hard. Yeah. It just shut him down immediately. Yeah. It was crazy. Can we slow that down? This wasn't a fix, was it? I mean, this, <laughs> it was I mean, this guy, how the hell did he do that? I mean, that guy, he stiffened that guy up. It's his chi. Derek yeah, Lewis has I, yeah, impressive his chi. chi. I mean, I'll just name him. I'll kick him <laughs> in the ball when he comes. Well, it, it makes me think. It makes me think as a non-fighter, granted, about the two times that I was separated from consciousness and concussed in my life. Because, well, no, but I'm curious with this type of shot right under the chin, like what part of his brain is hitting? You know what I mean? Like, I how did this shut the lights out? Yeah, I don't this- even, honestly, I don't think he hit him in the head. I think he. I think it was the fear of seeing the uppercut coming. The guy just shut down. Huh. What a, what a, no, Kenny, I don't even know. Did that hit him in the head? It might I, have hit him in the chest. I, I'm telling. It didn't look like he stopped. hit him clean. He didn't hit him clean. I mean, no, it was just kind of like it. No, I'm thinking he stopped his heart for a split Unbelievable. second. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! No, crazy. Yeah. So this this is my this is this would be on my wish list. I think the UFC should do. He has a rematch with Engano. Right. right? They cut the octagon in half and they make the overrun to 30 seconds. I want you to ask Yanni what he thinks of that. <laughs> cut the octagon in half, him yeah. against Singano, overrun idea. to 30 seconds. Yeah. Maybe even cut it in quarters. Don't let them move. They just right. got to go in this. You know, unbelievable. I mean, we actually discussed that earlier in the podcast. I believe if those two got the chance to fight again, that it's a one round fight and one of those guys will knock. Well, I mean, at, look, at this point, it's whoever pits the other guy first is, you know, I, I have that saying firstest with the mostest is the bestest. That's that's that fight. Whoever gets that's there right. first is yeah. going to be is going to be a winner. And I think that's why it was so tentative the last time. I think they both know it, you know, and it's crazy. It, it's like, you know. Derek Lewis, you could see his power. You know, like it's not uh, – I don't know what I'm trying to say, but Angano, his stuff comes like with speed. Like it's like he's generating, I believe, even more force, which is scary. Oh, yeah. yeah. Derek Lewis is just bombing people to sleep. It's like – like again, that shot, I I think it was the – you know, I know, you know, he definitely got hit. I'm, I'm joking with this, but it's almost like it was the anticipation. Like I put my head <laughs> no. down, I see this guy load up his yeah. uppercut. Penny, and I just go, I'm out. They yep. just put me to sleep, you know, because it didn't look, it didn't look that good. And I'm like, wow, I was standing going, this guy's, this guy's got some power. And there's a guy that looks like he's having a ball in there too, which is really good. You know, Kenny and I called a lot of his early fights in the UFC. And I'm so glad that Kenny sort of brought up his back injury. You know, this is a guy who, if memory serves, had a fight with Fabricio Verdum go away on fight day, Kenny, because of a back issue. And uh, I do think that I was sort of talking about his strength and conditioning and physically how good he looked, Ray. But Kenny was sort of alluding to the fact that if his back is right and he's sustaining training camps and putting eight and ten weeks together, two camps essentially for Curtis Blades, you know, you can't help but be in really good shape. And he certainly looked it. Oh, well, Andre, let me tell you something. First of all, we have this discussion all the time. I and I and I'm and I, I the back injury when it's like a nerve thing, lower back is the worst. Injury, I think you could have. It just shuts you down. Uh, you can't move. So 
man, it, it's a good observation. You get your back straight. First off, you'll feel mentally better. You get an increase in cardio just by the stress of feeling great. Uh, if you're able to work out, what an added benefit, man. Because when I'm sure he's walked around in so much pain on a lot of times that when when you feel that you could do things and you don't have that pain, it's yeah. it's a home run. It's a new lease on life, and that could very well be it. Because you know that the back, it just man, it just locks you up, man. It's it's horrible. So uh, in terms of uh, Stipe and Francis Ngannou, I know you're backing your guy Stipe to win that fight. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, I mean, can you imagine if Stipe defends against Ngannou and potentially Derek Lewis right now and just rides off into the sunset? Unbelievable. Yeah, Stipe, come on, man. How could you not acknowledge the body of work this guy has? And and he looks great. He looked great in his last fight. I think he knows what to do to win, and uh, it's not going to be easy because I think the other guy probably fixed those kinks in his game. But, uh, man, that's going to be exciting. It's going to be interesting to see where Curtis Blades goes from here. You know, he never fought Stipe. I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity. Likely would have to string together a couple more wins at this point in time, but uh, it's going to be a tough one for him to swallow. Anything else jump off the card uh, over the weekend before we spin this thing forward, Ray? Any uh, other performances that you wanted to uh, to highlight? I thought the girl fight. Uh, don't call it a girl fight. I mean, you got two no, donnas, man. People hate when we call it a girl fight. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> the women? You're talking about the women in the common event, right? Oh, okay. Beautiful women. Uh, Yana Kunitskaya and Ketlin Vieta? Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought the scoring was uh, was interesting in that fight. I think it was maybe a step in the right direction, right? Because they definitely scored it on damage for sure. Right. But if you really – I'm saying eight years ago, the old scoring, whenever the hell they changed it, the other girl – probably just wins that fight for the wrong reason. So I thought I didn't know which way it was going, but I when they when I heard the scores, I go, all right, I get that yeah. was good. Because yeah. she definitely put an exclamation point on it. The damage was definitely clearly lopsided. Uh the control was, you know, going the other way, but I like the way they scored that. And last thing on this card and Ken Flo, I'm curious to get your thoughts on Tom Aspinall as well by submission over Andre Arlovsky. And I think a lot of people are Thinking that maybe England's got a heavyweight that really can break through and be a significant problem. Uh, Kenny, we'll start with you. What would you think about Tom Aspinall disposing of uh, the future Hall of Famer, Andre Arlovsky? You know, he's big, he's athletic, he's fast, um, and he did what a lot of other heavyweights could not do to Arlovsky right now. Um, You know, Arlovsky, yes, he's been around a long time, but this guy has shown that he still loves the game um, and has continued to improve and and adapt during the fight. Uh, But Aspinall was just way too much. Um, He he was moving better than Arlovsky. He was landing shots, uh, and he's got the killer instinct, man. As soon as he had him down, he went around right to the back, didn't waste any time, Took him out with the rear naked choke, uh, and that was it. And Arlovsky almost like as he got up, he's like, I don't even know what happened out yeah. there. Like it, it seemed like he just just overwhelmed, and and uh, it was a great performance by by the British heavyweight. Yeah, definitely, he definitely overwhelmed him against the cage that time, and uh, you know, great fight IQ, man. He got he got hit a couple of times. He said he felt the power. He went to something else that nobody expected. I think, which is always uh, beautiful. And he, and he latched onto that choke, which is crazy. And, John, you you alluded to something. Olofsky is a mystery to me because he still looks like he wants to be in there. Obviously, this guy said it himself. Aspinall said he felt the power and he changed gears, you know. So, 
man, I tell you that I, I thought this guy was done five or six years ago. So the fact that he's still in there and he's competitive, uh, yeah, it, it's something different with him. I don't know what it is because you know I'm always on the side. I don't like seeing the older right. guy right take a beating. He he seems to deal with it better. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, but, there were yeah, people that buried him in 2011. It's fucking yeah. 10 years later. So, it but is. you're right. Yeah. He does seem to be aging gracefully and he still is able yeah. to train three times a day and super hard. So I guess you didn't like seeing Alexei Olenek take that type of beating from Chris Dawkins, huh? <laughs> I, I, I I think I called that with to somebody else because I Dawkins is tough, man. Yeah. Those guys are really tough. But, you know, Linux got one way of beating you. Uh, how old is – how old is uh, – 1976 for Alexi Olenek. So uh, coming up on 45. My age. My age. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Can't say 36. A guy guy that he grabs, you know, what's the choke he does, Kenny? I mean, Ezekiel. Ezekiel choke. You're going to sleep, you know? I mean, so. Yeah. I'd rather do a lot of fraternity hazing again than than get put in Olenek's Ezekiel choke. That. Does not look pleasant at all. Um, hey, Eamon. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ray. No, no, go ahead. Go, go. No, doing? I was going to say Eamon Zahabi was the only bonus winner we did not discuss. Got to feel good for Eamon Zahabi after the long layoff, right? Oh, Getting that okay. huge knockout and the accompanying 50K. Ken Flo, you got to feel good for your guy for us and Eamon. Did you ever train with Eamon? I trained a lot with Eamon, actually. Um, I, I brought him out to Boston to, to help me train. That's and, right. Uh, he, he's a guy that has helped me a lot. Great kid. Um, it was great to see him when he got into the UFC for the first time. Um, has had his ups and downs, but to see him get a win and to do it impressively um, was was great to see. Just one, one, one of the nicest dudes in the sport, for sure. So uh, real happy for, for Eamon and, and for, for us. I did. I did owe that. You know, I mean, he, you know, the times I've met him, he's just a sweet kid. You know, for us is for us is a cool dude. Uh, there's a lot of guys in my gym that like him. I was in the locker room, I think in Connecticut, but, you know, I was with a guy that was a big fan of his. Uh, me and Faraz just busted the guy's balls. You know, it's, it's fun. But that kid's a sweetheart. Yeah. He is. Oh, a, yeah. He's a so really happy for him. Uh, well, the other thing that jumps off my my head now that I'm thinking about it, what about the guy that missed weight by 11 pounds? What is <laughs> missed that it by that yeah. much. <laughs> I love it, Ken. <laughs> you know, Kenny, it's, it was so bizarre. He had to come up with – it was the salmon. I mean, think about it. It was so <laughs> nutty that that's the only thing you could say. My shoes were too tight. How can I play? Yeah, yeah. My sneakers hurt my feet. <laughs> What's the excuse? 11 and a half pounds. What are you doing? Wrong yeah. weight class. And you know where that guy is now, Kenny? He's swimming upstream. <laughs> yeah. I think it was oh the Oh, my God. Guys, I mean, I, uh, what is wrong? Well, I don't even need to read what happened. Uh Again, I I, like because a lot of things happen to Ken Flo and Paul Felder when they're trying to make that number, you know, and they make it. So uh, not a good look for Rafael Alves or Rafael Alves or I don't know how to pronounce his name Ray, right now. I did not call the card. Go ahead, Ken. Ray, I was going to ask you, when do you take off for Vegas and uh, who, who's going to be in the corner with you on fight night for, for Al? You know, I'm taking off Friday. I'm still not sure it was in the corner, believe it okay. or not. So I think uh, because of the COVID, you know, restrictions, he's. You know, it's not like the old days where you could have guys around. You have to have guys that you train with yeah. because that's who you're going to warm up with in the back. So I'm not really sure. He, he flip-flopped a couple of times. Uh, so 
I'll, I'll, I'll let you know next time I talk to you for sure. You get the extra body, obviously, because it's a title fight. Yes. Last thing before we let you go. How about our guy Bilal Muhammad stepping in to the main event against Leon Edwards on March 13th? We had Bilal on this show last week, Ray. You probably didn't see it, but we sort of started talking about him fighting Li Jing Leong. And then I got thinking aloud that, you know what? Leon's going to need a ranked opponent, and there aren't that many guys out there. And now Bilal's getting his first UFC main event. Holy crow, Joe Silva. Great job. Well, no, I, hey, it's uh, forget about my part in all no, of it, no, no, but I'm, I'm this joking. is what careers are made of, right? I uh, mean, this exactly. is, he's, he's stepping up. He's doing the right thing. And, uh, look, the guy's got confidence. He's a grinder. Uh, he's always in your face. He, I don't think that guy's an easy fight for anybody. So hats off to him, man. I think, uh, I who knows, you know, I think it's a great opportunity and, you know, uh, Cream always rises to the top. You know, you can't stop it no matter what. So we'll see what happens. But if he's going to be there, he's going to be there. And this will be a great fight to prove it. Kenny, real quick, four straight wins for Bilal, eight of nine. And if you look at the top five, you can argue matchup wise, this might be a better stylistic draw for him than some other guys in that top five. Mm -hmm. I did watch a little Leon Edwards film after the fight was announced. I see a speed discrepancy. You know, I think he's going to have to figure out a way to deal with Leon's speed. But uh, I think a winnable fight nonetheless. You know, Bilal's plus 200. It's not like he's plus 600. I mean, Vegas certainly giving him a shot. Absolutely. And listen, you know, the kind of pressure that Bilal puts on his opponents and his ability to mix things up. He's not a one dimensional fighter. He can do a lot of different things. He knows how to adapt, has a lot of experience, has a lot of momentum. Now, I think he could pose a lot of problems. You know, no one likes uh, high pressure fights like that, no matter how good you are. Right, you you right. want to have some space. You want to have, you know, right. ability to breathe and think and plan. Uh, and Bilal just stays right in your face and makes it a nasty, uh, horrible fight. Um, and I think that's kind of what you got to do against a very technical technical fighter like Leon Edwards. Yeah, no question about it. He has a smothering style and he seems like he's a student of the game. So he understands it. Uh, and he's got the, he's got the chops to back it up, man. You saw him, you know, suck up those leg kicks, those calf kicks. Yeah. He's, he's not tough. Technically, yeah. He's tough. I mean, there's no question that the guy's tough. Uh, technically, obviously I think Edwards has the advantage, but like Kenny says, when you're getting smothered, that, 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 you know, that advantage could go uh, disappear very quickly. Especially in 20, 25 minutes to do it, you know, right? Yeah, 25 minutes to do it. And the guy hasn't been active. Right. One guy's been active. One guy has it, you know. So, you know, if I'm Bilal, I mean, I would try to drag that fight into the fourth or fifth round and see what, you know, you never know what happens. But he, he could smother the guy. All right. So next Monday is March 1st. First day of Women's History Month, my calendar tells me. So you're going to be in Las Vegas next week, yes, next Monday yeah, for the show. So that would seem to yeah. be an 8 a.m. call time next Monday for the Anna Flory podcast. What? Huh? What is it? What? <laughs> what? He's busy what? that day. He's busy. What? All right. Well, no, seriously. Well, I hate right, it. Maybe we'll. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, hey, I'm going to be out there doing the live event, Rosenstrike and Cyril Gone this weekend. So, uh, oh, you're going to be out there. Yeah. Oh, so, so we're uh, together. Yeah, we're going to hang out. Right. We'll hang out. Like, All right. like a pajama party. We'll do whatever you want to do. You get a haircut and uh, wash oh, your yeah. scalp, and I'll see you in, in a few days. All right. <laughs> I'm going for the perk right now. There you go. All right, All right guys. Get on you. out of here. Hey, you, right? hey, best to the family and uh, the whole Weidman clan, of course. Well, I'll, I'll tell them. But uh, again, big fan of everybody. 
uh, going to be missed. And thank you very much, guys. We right. really appreciate that. All right. Take it easy, Long guys. Take care, Ray. Every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. And we dedicate today's episode to the late, great Vincent J. Pecora Jr. All right, so heavyweight division had a big weekend, of course, and the hits keep on coming this weekend live on ESPN+. Plus. It'll be Jarzinho Rosenstrike and Cito gone in the main event. To that end, let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Main event challenge today is brought to you by Odd Shark, your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to Odd Shark and start playing like a shark today. That is oddshark.com. Don't forget the second S. And Ian Parker with a cough now joins us live. Team Florian wins the week 5 4. Overall lead is 18-16 per our intern, Casey Williams, whom I trust now to a great extent. He's absolutely killing it. Ian Parker, it's good to see you, my man. We're going to begin our picks here with a prelim in the lightweight division. Alexander Hernandez, minus 190. Tiago Moises, plus 165. Who do you like? Interesting matchup here. Uh, Tiago Moises coming off a nice win over Bobby Green, which I know Kenny and I both didn't really expect. Um I still like Alex Hernandez here. I still think he's got a lot to offer overall the game. I'm, I'm thinking his wrestling background will help him keep the fight on the feet. Uh, you know, he has shown sometimes when he gets a little too aggressive that backfires. I think he's kind of coming into his own. I think he's more focused now. And I, if he keeps the fight on the feet, the fight should be his. So I'm going to go with Alex Hernandez. Alexander Hernandez, minus 190, training at elevation. Now Ken Flo, he's won two of three, bonused his last time out. And as Ian mentioned, last win for Tiago Moises on Halloween against Bobby Green. Your thoughts on this one at 155 pounds? You know, um, Moises has has improved as a striker. Um, I, I think I was I was impressed by the improvements he made in his last fight. Um, I, I do think he can be a submission threat. Uh, and Alex Hernandez, Alexander Hernandez, uh, you know, is kind of um, an inconsistent fighter at times. I feel like you know sometimes he doesn't take the smartest of approaches. Um, but uh, while I do see some uh, value for Moises, I, I do think that uh, Hernandez uh, should get the nod here. I agree with that. I see value in that plus 165 number. But again, you're talking about hamsters lives. We're, we're trying to pick winners right. here. Uh, all right. A fight just added to the main card on Saturday. So this is very interesting. Uh, Angela Hill minus 300. Ashley Yoder plus 240. So Hill has been looking for a fight, Ian, as you well know. She hasn't fought since last September. She got COVID-19 prior to the scheduled Tisha Torres fight in December. Here she draws Ashley Yoder coming off a big win in November. What do you, what do you think about Ashley Yoder in this spot? Any value at plus 240 for you, Ian? I know uh, I'm just kind of breaking that betting line for you now. What do you think? I think there's a tremendous amount of value in Ashley Yoder simply because of how she's able to use push kick. Yeah, I, I know, Kenny. I know. Uh, listen, at this point, you got to understand you and I share a lot of the same sentiments. I, I know, just try to I know, that's the that. problem. Yeah, you, you can't help but love me at this point, and I love you <laughs> too. Um, in the deal with Ashley Yoder, she's very smart with her striking. She knows how to keep the distance. She is, I think, high level like you where she doesn't get into brawls. And she knows where she's great at, and that's in jujitsu. And this is where the biggest difference between the two is going to be. I think she can get on Angela Hill's back. I think she can get the fight to the floor. She fights with urgency off her back. She does not sit there. She's not content. 
Angela Hill has gotten better overall, but this is not someone that she's going to be able to take down and sit on top and outpower them. You know, I just don't see that happening. And in the striking area, I think Yoder has improved tremendously. I think Angela Hill fights a lot, um, but she does not beat the top level competition. And I, I just think that styles make fights. And in this situation, you have striker versus not maybe as good a striker, but way better on the ground. So I'm going to roll the dice with Ashley Yoder. I, I do love the value in that plus, two seven, uh, plus 200 number. Kenny, I agree with a lot of that. I thought Angela Hill would be minus 180 or so. I just checked it before the yeah. show. She's a three to one favorite. Your thoughts on this one at 115 pounds? Yeah, you know, uh, again, just based on the odds, I think Ian is is accurate here. I, I think that there's a lot of value with Ashley Yoder, um, and, and I, I will pick her. I think that, you know, she's deceptively tough. You look at her, she's this pretty girl, and, you know, you think that she's going to go out there and kind of pitter pat. She's trying to hurt you. She's mean. Right, she wants right. to submit you. She has right. a good amount of experience. She has only gotten better. And while I do think, it, you know, Angela can be difficult to deal with, she's very unorthodox on the feet, so getting a rhythm on her is probably going to take Ashley some time. Uh, and, and Ashley does get better as the fight goes on. So I, I like Ashley here as well. I think there's a lot of value here. Breaking news. Ken Flo thinks Ashley Yoder's hot. <laughs> she's, All right, next up. Girl. At yeah. featherweight, it'll be UFC appearance number 24. See, Kenny and I are old now, right? So we can say she's a pretty girl. She's a pretty girl. Right. All right. Exactly. Featherweight division. You, 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 <laughs> You're just you're not breaking uh, any news. It's kind of obvious. Well, right. That's right. That's true. Uh, UFC appearance number 24 for Alex Caceres. He's the modest 235 favorite against Glory MMA and Fitness's Kevin Kroom, who is plus 195. All right. So Kroom debuted memorably. How about this horse shitty in Parker, right? September 12th last year, steps in on one day's notice, needs just 31 seconds to submit Roosevelt Roberts, gets a $50,000 performance of the night bonus, but a pre-fight drug screen identified the presence of marijuana. So Kroom subsequently agreed to a proposed adjudication agreement that includes a suspension which expired January 26th, reduced fine, yada, yada, yada. But dude, you take the fight on a day's notice and you get your win overturned and your bonus overturned for smoking weed on a day's notice. I mean, I know Ian Parker would have passed that test because he's the only Jew I know that doesn't smoke the devil's lettuce, but that is garbage. No <laughs> one day's notice. Isn't it, isn't it fucked up that I don't smoke and I still look like I do that? You do, you do. Like, it's not, it's not fair. It's just not fair. I, if I, and if I do this, I look even crazier. Oh, I, I like this. So, um, <laughs> I, I think if he's lucky that's all he failed on a day's notice. He could have been out the night before doing whatever he was doing. Um, this, this to me is an interesting one also with a full camp and he's like someone with a very similar style to the guy he just beat Roosevelt Roberts, a tall, lanky guy who strikes with a, or in an orthodox fashion with good jujitsu skills. I kind of want to take a shot in Kevin Kroom here again. I, I really do think that there is value. Ah, uh, Kenny, I know, I know, I know, I'm sorry. Um, I just think that Caceres, we've seen everything from him. I don't think there's anything that's going to be different. And with Kroom, I'm curious to see where he's at. I, I don't think Caceres should be that big of a favorite over anybody after a you know, with a certain level. And his his win over Roosevelt Roberts was really impressive. And I kind of see the same thing happening here. So I'll take the underdog also here in Kroom. Kempfel, what do you think? Caceres has won three in a row, showing a pretty good form of late. I'll keep it short. Yeah, you know, listen, I, I do think Caceres, um, you know, has shown improvement, but I don't think it's enough to say that, you know, uh, he deserves – you know, this kind of uh, line uh, over Kroom. I, I think Kroom uh, could definitely win this fight. I, I think he's going to be a problem uh, for Caceres a little bit. And uh, I, I'm going to go with Kroom as well. 
All right, next up at Bantamweight, you guys made this pick a couple of weeks ago. Jimmy Rivera, minus 145, Pedro Munoz, plus 125. There was a positive COVID-19 test on the Rivera side, so this one gets a few-week delay. First meeting between these two, 2015, it was Jimmy Rivera by split decision. Ken Flo, we'll lead with you here. Uh, Rivera Munoz, which way are you going in the rematch? I'm going to go with Rivera here. Um, Listen, I I think both these guys have the ability to knock the other out. Um, I I do think that Rivera hit a little bit harder. Um, And I I just haven't seen the adjustments for Munoz. Munoz puts himself in the line of fire way too much for my liking. Um, It's brave. It's courageous. uh, But I think against a guy like Munoz, it it could get himself hurt uh, there. And, 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 you know, listen, he can knock out uh, Rivera as well. But um, I, I like Rivera here. Jimmy Rivera, the pick to click for Ken Flo. Ian, so uh, I see you navigating a, a familial situation. What's going on? Are you talking to your dogs, your children, your wife? What are you uh, – you're double dipping right now. What's going on there at home in Parkland? I thought we talked about not uh, acknowledging when I'm trying to be ex- on mute and try to be as incognito as possible. Yeah, the dog's a little on the senile side, and he I think he slept like three days straight. Of course, he just wakes up and barks at the door, so I was trying to get him to uh, – right. Thanks for acknowledging that, though. I really How many dogs that. do you have? How many dogs do you have? Three. Three. All right. Next week or whenever you're back on the show, presumably next week, can we have Thanos on camera to show the world? How many pounds does Thanos weigh now? He's 100 and uh, less, between 115 and 120 on his hind legs. He's about 5'8". Crazy. Not, and he's nine months today. So, yeah, he's big. Nine big, months he's, old. He's a big dude. He's a big dude. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right, Rivera Munoz, you picked Jimmy Rivera a couple weeks ago. You like him again? I do, and I'll keep it quick. I just think that his output and his volume is going to outweigh the counter-striking that, that Pedro does. He picks too much. I think that was also why he lost Frankie. And I just like what Jimmy did in his last fight. If he does what he did and uses the calf kick and he just comes <laughs> forward, I think he'll have success and he'll get the win. I think Rivera is somebody who can bounce back from his losses besides that last win and really uh, still get to the top. I, I really believe that. I thought Jimmy Rivera looked great against Cody Stamen on Fight Island. And I do believe now he's sort of liberated by the lack of contention. Not that he's not in the mix, but I just think he's fighting looser and not worried about preserving a winning streak or being 18 or 19 and one or whatever he was for so long. So uh, excited to see that fight. Co-main event. Ken Flo is going to lead the dance here. A lot of people are excited about this fight, and rightfully so. Two finishers, Magomed Ankalaev, minus 325. Nikita Krilov, plus 265. Kenny, we will take the round, the method of victory, all that noise. So this division is very interesting right now. You got the Dagestan-born Ankalaev. He's won five straight, bunch of bonuses already in his six UFC fights. He's 14-1 and one overall. And then Nikita Krilov, also 28 years old. 20 fights over 500 for his career. A bunch of finishes for him. What do you think about this one, Ken? Flo Krilov plus 265 on Goliath minus 325. Who you got? You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Krilov try to take this fight to the ground, um, but I, I don't think he's going to find much success there. Um, I, I'm leaning the way of Ankalaev. I'm not sure if I'm, if it's going to be a finish in the first round or second, but I think Ankalaev is something special. Um, let's go with the second round uh, knockout. Second round TKO from Magomed Ankalaev. My twin bro loves this guy too. Ian, what do you think about Ankalaev here against the seasoned Nikita Krilov? Oh, I share the same sentiment as Kenny. I think Ankalaev is something special. I think we've only uh, haven't even seen him come close to where his potential could be based on the uh, 
trilogy or rematch with Kudalaba, whatever it was. I think Ankalaev right. gets it done. I'm going to say round one. I don't think Krylov is even going to come close to getting this fight to the ground. Ankalaev's takedown defense is good. His striking is good. He's aggressive. I'm going to go with him in round one. I like the conviction. I don't know if you're uh, you're going to back that up with some big noise at the window or maybe sprinkle Ankalaev in some parlays. Minus 325 is pretty pretty juicy. All right, main event at heavyweight IP. We'll have you lead us off here if you'd be so kind. Cyril Gone minus two seventy, Jarzinho Rosenstrike plus two thirty. So last week, Ian Derek Lewis really took advantage of the spotlight. It shines on these guys now on Saturday night. Gone a near three to one favorite here. Your thoughts on the price, the main event, and how it's going to transpire, my man? Whenever Sorry, you're ready, Ian. That's okay. I- Man, you love, man, if I sneeze the wrong way, John's going to be like, hey, no, I sneeze it. Okay. He's supposed to, I clicked the mute button. It wasn't unclicking. I'm sorry. This dog is insane out here. Hey, I just wanted to to make sure that you knew it was your turn to make a selection, you know? Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. I'm I'm good. I was investing in Bitcoin real quick. My bad. Um, Just (laughs) terrible joke. I'm sorry. I was trying to be funny. It wasn't funny. Um, Although, Kenny, I didn't do it. Thank you. It's good. Um, There you go. Look, with Gagne, he could strike. All right, we've seen that. Rose's strike's a more dangerous striker, I think, but I, I hate this. I'm sorry. Can you you, you, you will be lucky if he edits this part out. <sighs> I probably Just won't because you said, Bitcoin, yeah. you said Bitcoin was a joke. There's nothing funny about investing no, in Bitcoin for the future. Bitcoin, <laughs> That's not a joke. Oh, exactly. no. So not I can't that, edit that part that, out. That, not that that was a joke. It was a joke. Oh, you know, all right. I, I like the favorite here. I do think that we've seen him use his ground game intelligently. And I think with this fight, that's exactly what he needs to do. I think Ghan is going to win this fight second round submission. So, all right, Ken Flo, uh, Cyril Ghan. This is an outstanding striker. Outstanding Thai boxer out of Paris, France. Trains under Fernand Lopez and alongside Nasardini Mavov, who we just saw compete last weekend against Phil Haas. 7-0. On the other side, Rosenstrike, one pro loss, came to Francis Ngannou. So two high-level heavyweights here. Vegas thinks that uh, one guy is much better than the other. What do you think? Listen, I think Cyril Gunn uh, is going to be able to keep the distance. Uh, th- that's Rosenstrike's best chance is to get on the inside, try to land one of those nasty hooks that he has, you know, beat him up with his legs from the outside, then get on the inside. I don't think he's going to be able to do that. I think Gunn's going to be able to utilize those long-range weapons, keep him on the outside, can mix things up with his takedowns. Um, I-, I think Gunn by uh, let's go referee stoppage round three. Ooh, a little, a little referee stoppage from yeah. Kenflo, round three for Seattle Gone. Right, if you want more from uh, from Ian Parker, it's at Ian Parker MMA on social media. Uh, we'll let you get back to it, my brother. Appreciate the insight and your time as always. <sighs> Thanks, guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, uh, That's all right. It, no, it's truly amazing to me. This dog sleeps for like 23 hours out of a 24-hour day and yeah. only wakes up and I rest on the couch for a second or I come onto the show. There's not... I, I, that's I'm okay. gonna have to give Benadryl. I'm thinking Benadryl for every show. That's what's gonna happen. So, all right, my man. Appreciate you. See you, dude. Love you guys, you got so, it. So, I was doing Misha Tate's radio show last weekend on Sirius XM, or last week. I go on with her after all of the pay-per-views and we were both doing the show from our respective garages. So, Misha was in the garage because it's the only place to get peace and quiet. You know, she has two yeah. young kids, and I was sort of saying on the interview like. It's nice to break away from the chaos and just do this 15-minute interview. They're like, how you doing? I'm like, I'm doing fucking great. I'm getting a 15-minute break from childcare to do your radio show. I'm doing great. Right. 
But right. then I was like, yeah, I'm in my garage. And it is hard in Florida, in Nevada, in places where you don't have a basement. Like my kids are at school right now. I'm good. I don't have any dogs. But, you know, we need 20 minutes for me and Parker. And it's not that I'm shitting on the guy on the way out, but it's like total fucking chaos at his house every time we try to do the show. You know? <laughs> You're, you're not wrong. You're not. Kenflo's got a young child, but somehow figures yeah. out a way to get a uh, a exactly. moment of solitude. All right, that is going to do it for us this week. Uh, if you want more of the show, anaclorianpodcast.com. There's also a store there with a code to get ten percent off your merchandise. Kenflo also has an outstanding YouTube channel that is actually in, linked to this Anakin Florian podcast YouTube channel. A lot of uh, tutorials, instructional videos, and you know, generally speaking, more Kenflo analytics in your life is probably a good thing when it comes to mixed martial arts. So uh, we will talk to you next Monday. We will be back to recap Rosenstrike and Gone, and then of course look ahead to that massive championship triple header that is coming up quickly. February turns into March quickly, folks. Next week is a pay-per-view week, and there will be no fewer than three UFC championship belts uh, on the line. Thanks to our executive producer, Cody Merrill. Thanks to Ray. Thanks to Ian for Ken Flom, John Anik. We appreciate every last one of you listening, subscribing, watching truly, and uh, if you have feedback on the show, fire it in at Pod. Your wish is our command. Until next week, don't text and drive. Try to wear a mask if you think it helps other people. Love you, Militich. See you later. <laughs> I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.